God has created us with a very unique quality. He's created us in his image and likeness. There's no other creature on the earth or in the universe like that. And in John 4, 24, we read, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God has designed us to be worshipers. We're the only creature except for the angels that are designed that way. No animal is capable of worshiping God. They don't know God exists. I'm not even sure an animal knows they exist. They just exist. But we are aware of that. And every one of us, because we are designed to be worshipers, we worship something. There is no neutral ground when it comes to worship. The question we need to be asking ourselves is what are we worshiping? We've already come to the conclusion that if we're not worshiping God, ultimately, when you boil everything off of it, we're worshiping ourselves. We want life our way, the way we want it, when we want it, and how we want it. And if we'll evaluate when we are angry at people or angry at things, that's the reason why. Somebody's not complying with our wishes for our kingdom. So all things we crave, we crave it because we want it. We want it our own way. In fact, we're the only creatures that can make music. Now, we all love to hear birds sing, right? But theirs is the same tune over and over. And it's beautiful. Of course, I don't know. Jim and I were out fishing the other day. Have you ever heard a blue heron? It's not a song. It's like a crow. It just, it's a squawk. You know, so not all birds even can sing in a way that we can really enjoy it. But we are the only creature that can make music. And to me, I can't make music. I just, you know, do the best I can. But when, when people can take, I don't know, five or six lines and a bunch of dots and all that and make music, and what makes me even more is when you take a whole orchestra, we're going to look at one of over 4,000 instruments. Can you imagine directing that kind of a orchestra, Josh? Somebody had the ability to take 4,000 instruments, put them all together, and make music. That is a talent. That's a gift from God. I thank God for people who can do that. I wish I could. Maybe in eternity, I'll have enough time to learn some of that. But... Right now, um, I'm at other people's mercy. But we've also discovered that Satan was probably God's mu master musician of music in heaven prior to the fall. It even seems to indicate that possibly his body was somewhat of a musical instrument. Now, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but some Hebrew scholars think that his body was somewhat a musical instrument in itself. And so you can be sure that because he is now the God of this age, that he is going to use music to influence people to sin. And it doesn't take much of a rocket science to figure that out, does it? There is music everywhere, and most music is not in a godly form. Satan is using it as a temptation to sin. Ultimately, it goes, boils down to this. 
If we're not worshiping God with our music, where does Satan want the music to be focused on? Him. Because he's the God of this age. So unfortunately, Satan is very subtle in what he does. He knows he can keep the believers a little off balance by the use of music. And as we looked at last week, Satan has certainly done a job with that, hasn't he? As far back as, as we can see in the history, God, our Satan has used music as a source of frustration among the believers. And I believe that's one reason. And in fact, in all my years, and I, I've been in church since I was able to be in church. I was saved at the age of nine. And even while I was in Bible, well, we did have a music class in Bible college, but I don't remember it really teaching what the biblical principles of music are so much as the theories of music, which is helpful to know if you're going to make music, but I'm not one that's going to be doing that. But I can't ever remember anywhere in a local church and all my 50-some years of being in the church, wherever from the pulpit the people were taught the biblical principles for music. Whatever standards were being set was standard, well, this is the way I think it is. Well, where's the biblical principle that supports that? You may have it, but what is it? That's why we've done this. This is the second time. We did in our last church as well, but for this very same reason. And it did bring unity to the church family in regard to the music, what was appropriate, what wasn't appropriate, and, and so that's why we're doing that. So we don't want to fall into Satan's trap, his subtleness to use music to distract from the message and to distract from the focus of who he is. Now because we're living in a liberal age, and by liberal age I'm talking about in the local church, there are more and more churches that are watering down the Word of God, very little concern about the lost, and there are some mega churches that are getting bigger and bigger all the time, and it's not because of the message so much, it's because of the entertainment that is coming through the music. And some of the churches, actually there's a couple of them that have come to realize that in the last couple of years, and they're readjusting, praise the Lord. One big church did a survey and found out out of their 5,000 members, the majority of them were baby Christians because there was no serious discipleship in the Word of God. Now, I don't know that I can support this dogmatically because I'd never done a survey. But I don't think I'm too far off base to say that one reason we're seeing so much music out there becoming liberal in its sound and in its message is because these individuals are coming out of churches where they're not being taught the Word of God. And so they don't have any well-grounded, solid basis of the Word of God. And I would like to do a survey on that sometime. I don't know how I'd ever do it, but I, I believe that we would find that. That's one of the biggest reasons we see the music industry in the Christian realm where it is today. Because I believe if a church is well-grounded in the Word, they'd be a little more concerned about their message, for sure. The words of what they're singing. But I also think they'd be a little more concerned about the style of music that they're using. So, we would all agree, the message must be biblically accurate. 
And I, I thank God for Josh and Roger when he was here and others that, and even some others have brought to our attention. You know, Pastor, we sang this verse, but is that biblically accurate? And I've passed some of it on to Josh because we didn't pick up on it. And sometimes some of these songs, we've been singing them for years, we don't even stop and think about it anymore. But Roger, or, uh, yeah, Roger and Josh both were very sensitive to that and tried to be, and we want to be aware of that. It must be biblically sound because basically, we're going to see here in a little bit, our singing is preaching. It's to edify. And, and we don't want to edify each other with, well, we can't edify each other with, with something that's not true. So, again, I, I mentioned that God has not given us a specific score. In the book of Psalms, which is 150 songs, one's only two verses, 117 is two verses, and then there's Psalm 119. It has 25 verses, and they're long verses. But those are songs that the, the Israelites sang. But we do not have the musical score. I believe it's designed by God, because if there was a musical, musical score, there are some of us, that is all we're going to sing, is that musical score. And every song we sing has got to fit into that. And God's a God of variety. And I, that's pretty obvious just in the world we live in. I was talking to Josh yesterday, and he, he acknowledged that. How many different trees are there out there? In fact, where we were in the park, how many different grasses are out there in the grass? God is a God of variety, and the same thing applies to music. There's all kinds of music styles that we, by God's design, are meant to enjoy. But the issue must be our heart. Why are we singing what we're singing? That's what we need to be talking about. And so the Bible is very clear. And let's turn to Luke, Luke chapter 6. Again, we looked at this, but we need to be reminded of this often. Because I really think this is the, the crux of the whole thing here. Luke 6, 43-45. The heart of the matter. And what comes out of our mouth, what's reflected in our body language, what's reflected in what we do, reflects what really is in our heart. And it says here, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of an evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So unless there is something that is specifically wrong in the words that we're speaking... Or there's something that's being given away in our body language and with the things that we're doing that is not sinful. You and I have to give that individual the benefit of the doubt that what they're doing is in honor and glory to God. Now the style of music may not be my preference and it may not be my favorite. And I may have some convictions about where it's at. And I, I've come to this conviction, I, was, I never used to be there, but some of these that really pray, play in the Christian rock, if the words are biblically sound, and there's nothing in it that is showing that they're trying to get prestige for themselves, or they're trying to get rich on it, or, or whatever, i got to give them the benefit of the doubt that God is honoring that as worship. Now, is God completely happy with it? I'm not sure He would be. But again, I'm not God. But you get the point I'm trying to make here. 
I would not encourage that here in our church. I don't think that's where we need to be. I don't think it's where we want to be. For that reason, I believe it's the church's responsibility to teach and equip the saints in the truth and how they can present the truth in the clearest possible way. And Ephesians 4.11 tells us that's the responsibility of our church. Now, we often think of equipping people to teach them how to teach and how to be soul winners and things of that nature, but I believe it refers to every area of our lives. And he gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I believe this includes music. I believe, and I'm going to encourage, and I've already talked to Josh and the deacons about this, from this point on, I want to have at least once a year a, a clinic or a teaching session for all of our people that are involved in music to teach them these biblical principles so when new people are coming in, they participate in that and they know what the biblical standard is to keep us on track. Because there's something to think, well, once we start playing some of these newer songs and liberal songs, it's, it's not a slippery slope and we can't stop it. Well, that's like saying, I can't stop sin. And that's not true. We have to put safeguards in, and here's our safeguard. And so we as a church established where our principles are, and it's our responsibility to equip the people in that. And so we'll observe here in the Old Testament under King Solomon that there were teachers that did this very thing. And we need to follow that same principle. And their goal was, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to glorify God. So we also observed several cases when men tried to establish their own form of worship. And God did not accept them well, and some of them, he even struck them dead. So we must study the scriptures and develop our worship, and this includes our music.